are very privileged, very honored to experience supernatural freedom from sin, from satanic bondage, from the world system, from our fallen nature. And so we have all the more right to be happy and excited today. Now, I was very serious and sincere about asking God what he wanted me to share today. I feel like it's a pivotal day. It's a pivotal time in our nation. And we have to see change. But would you lay your hand right here and say, change starts here. And then there's a a chain reaction. That's how an atomic bomb can have such a devastating effect. It starts with the splitting of one atom. And then it ricochets and ricochets and ricochets until it can level a whole city. Well, all you need is one awakened person and that awakening can spread at a supernatural rate of speed, at God's speed. Let it be so in Elizabeth City, Lord. But I was seeking God and I said, Lord, what do you want me to share on this pivotal day? I don't want to just talk about the United States of America and its spiritual heritage and history. But I want to tie in the identity of the people of God. And he birthed in my heart the realization that I am to share with you the spiritual application of one of the main symbols of our nation. And that is the symbol of the eagle. I could have chose the Liberty Bell. I could have chosen the Statue of Liberty. There's a lot of symbols that we hold dear. But this one bears a biblical message probably more than any other I could have chosen. Because an eagle represents the nature of God. An eagle represents your nature, my nature as believers, the nature that should be awakened in us. And the eagle represents something that needs to be awakened in our nation as a whole because this foundation of our nation needs to make a reappearance. Amen. What do you think of? When you think of an eagle, what do you consider? What's the symbolism? What is the metaphorical application? I think of liberty and freedom, courage and excellence. I think of strength when I look at an eagle. I think of a fierce kind of independence. I need to say that again, a fierce kind of independence. And when you apply that to God's people, we are very fierce about staying free from bondage. If God has set you free, turn around to somebody and say, stay free. Have that fierce independent attitude that an eagle represents. Majesty, mastery, an invincible warlike spirit. Many armies have had the eagle as part of their emblem in battle because it represents just an invincible kind of battle mindset on the battlefield. And then intimacy with God and the highness of the divine nature because an eagle can soar to incredible heights, up to 10, 11, even 12,000 feet. Think of it. No sparrow can do that. And I certainly hope you don't have a sparrow mindset, but an eagle mindset. Now, first, we're going to visit the kind of eagle nature that God depicts himself as having. Because strangely, the creator uses different aspects of his creation to represent himself. 
He represents himself as the son of righteousness who arises with healing in his wings. He represents himself as the morning star, which is actually a reference to Venus, the planet Venus, which is the last star-like object you see right before the day dawns. He represents himself in his incarnation as a lamb. And while he was here, he said, consider the lilies, consider the sparrows, and then used it to reveal a certain aspect of the character of God. So we should consider the eagle in order to see beyond the eagle into the nature of our father. And then hopefully when we see him, become like him, for we see him as he is. Now, one scripture that really ties it in well with God's eagle-like nature is Deuteronomy chapter 32, verses 10 and 11. And Moses was referring, of course, to the children of Israel and their deliverance from the bondage of Egypt. And I'd like you to quote it out loud with me with passion right now. As an eagle stirs up its nest, let's say it again. As an eagle stirs up its nest, hovers over its young, spreading out its wings, taking them up and carrying them on its wings. So the Lord alone led Israel and there was no foreign God with him. Now, that was referring to the children of Israel in the bondage of Egypt. See, it tied in the symbolism of the way little eaglets learn how to fly. They get comfortable to the nest that they're a part of. And usually we get comfortable in our bondage if we're not careful. Because change involves pain. And because change involves pain, you usually put up with where you're at until where you're at becomes more painful than the pain of change. And then you're willing to make the transition. Well, that's the way it was for the children of Israel. They'd gotten used to being slaves. They'd gotten used to not even owning themselves or their own clothes. They got used to being deprived and abused. They liked the leeks. They liked the garlics. They, the garlic. They liked the thing that they'd grown accustomed to. But God wanted to set them free to become everything they had the potential of being. And so he depicts himself like a mother eagle. What happens is when the eaglets grow to a certain stage, and I wish I... I wish I had a picture of baby eaglets. They do not look anything like an adult eaglet. In fact, it's one of the ugliest birds I've ever seen. Only a mother could love something that looked like that. Long spindly legs, wild white feathers sticking out. Uh, I mean, you do not see the potential of an eagle in that little eaglet. Just like a lot of people you meet, you do not see the potential of a son of God or a daughter of God. But God sees that potential and he's working to bring it out of you. There's more in you. Praise God. So the mother eagle will come down and like normal, the little eaglets are opening their big eye, waiting for a worm to drop in. Or if mom's really been successful hunting, maybe a mouse. Oh, luscious mouse. And, and so they're opening their beaks, waiting for another meal in a comfortable surrounding. And all of a sudden, mama goes stark, raving mad. 
She starts flapping her wings up and down. It blows the fuzz out of the nest, blows the feathers out of the nest, blows the fur of animals that have been eaten out of the nest, exposing the thorns and the sticks. Those little eaglets start prancing around. They're uncomfortable now. Their whole environment's getting messed up. And then Mama Eagle spreads her wings and invites them on her wings. Well, the nest isn't very inviting anymore. That's what God does to your surroundings sometimes. He makes it too uncomfortable for you to stay in bondage. He makes it too uncomfortable. You get betrayed by other drug-taking friends. You get betrayed by somebody that's just used you for your money or used you for this or that. Suddenly, it's not such a nice environment anymore. The thorns start making their appearance. And that's when God shows up and say, come, there's a better life. Come, there's a better life. So the eaglets climb up on that mama eagle's wings, kind of like you see in the picture. And I'm sure that eaglet in its little eaglet mind thinks, whoa, this is fantastic. You don't get a view like this from the nest. And the wind just blows. It's almost like a roller coaster ride. Whoa. And then all of a sudden, Mama goes stark raving mad again. And she starts flapping her wings and flinging those eaglets off into the air. They start turning head over heels, plunging to their death and screaming with an eagle scream at the top of their voices. And then right at the critical moment, have you ever noticed that's when God comes through too? Right when all hope is lost and it's the critical moment, then Daddy Eagle will come swooping down and catch them on his wings, or Mama Eagle will. And they think, boy, I'm glad that's over. (laughs) Wishful thinking. You got to go through it again and again and again until you make the decision, I'm going to fly. I'm going to learn how to soar. I'm going to learn how to be like my mama or be like my daddy. Hallelujah. I hope you hear what I'm really preaching to you right now. There's an eagle nature inside of you. There's an eagle nature in this nation. And it's been corrupted by liberalism. It's been corrupted by atheism. It's been corrupted by humanism. It's pulled the feathers off of the eagle. And it's in critical condition right now. And I'll tell you the biggest threat to that being the future agenda of our nation. It's an awakened church that spreads its wings and becomes what God has called us to be. Praise God. God said in Exodus chapter 19, verse 4, would you say it out loud with me? You have seen what I did to the Egyptians, how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. How did that happen? How did God bring them to himself? The pillar of fire never appeared in Egypt. The cloudy pillar by day never appeared in the midst of the camp of Israel in Egypt. They never had a tabernacle where in the Holy of Holies there was an Ark of the Covenant and the Shekinah glory cloud of God's presence hovered over that Ark. But God had to get them out of the bondage before they could see his reality. 
You think you can add Jesus to your lifestyle of drugs or alcohol. You got to get out of the bondage before you can see his glory. And he is spreading his wings right now and saying, climb up and you're going to see things you've never seen before. You bore them on eagle's wings and brought them to yourself. There's no better way to live than to be in communion with God and to see things from a much higher perspective. It happened that way for me. When I was a teenager, I was a rock musician and living the lifestyle of a rock musician and almost died at the age of 18. I felt my soul leaving my body and going off into this dark, throbbing void that was scary. It was frightening. It was terrifying. But when I came out of that experience, thankfully God spared my life. I didn't fit at the parties anymore. I didn't fit around my comrades and friends anymore. I saw through it. It was so shallow, so self-seeking, so self-serving. It was so endless, uh, just endlessly pursuing this pleasure and that pleasure with no real fulfillment in sight. I thought, I'm out of here. But I didn't know where to go. And for a while, I went into Eastern religions. You can download my whole story on my outreach website, thetruelight.net. It's called The Highest Adventure Encountering God. Just go there and download it for free. It's a little booklet there where I tell the details how I was a yoga teacher at four universities and I ran a yoga ashram. But then the eagle showed up at my front door and said, climb on, I'll show you how to get out of this mess. It's not Hinduism. It's not Sikhism. It's not Islam. It's not any other religion. You need relationship, not religion. Praise God. Praise God. Let me take you to the next. This is where that nature of an eagle is transferred from God to you. See, you're not an ordinary person. Oh, you may think you're an ordinary person, but you have extraordinary potential. Because when you get connected to God, he is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above anything you ask or think. You move from the realm of the natural into the realm of the supernatural. You move from the realm of the ordinary into the realm of the extraordinary when you get linked up in covenant relationship with the God of the universe. And if that hasn't happened for you yet, I pray it happens before this service is over. I love Isaiah 40, verse 31. I love the two verses leading up to it that says he gives power to the faint and to them who have no might, he increases strength. You think he just blesses the blessed and helps those who help themselves. You think he intervenes just for those that are strong enough to overcome by human willpower. But the two verses prior to this one say he gives power to the faint. When you faint, that's when you shut down. Your physical body shuts down because you cannot handle the pressure of what's happening to you in chemical ways in your body or other ways, maybe a heat stroke or whatever may be causing it, but your physical system shuts down. When you faint, and some of us are on the verge of fainting emotionally, fainting mentally, don't write yourself off and say, I'm too bad for God to help. I'm too messed up for God to intervene in my life. I've got to get straightened out before I really go to the altar and get right with God. No, he gives power to the faint. 
You come to him in your weakness. You come to him in your mess. You come to him in your bondage. And then he shows up and says, I can take care of this. Don't you worry about it. My blood is sufficient. My grace is sufficient. My name is sufficient. All you have to do is call on that name that is above every name. Then your circumstance changes, my friend. Because he said, they that wait. Say it with me, would you? Uh, Well, I'm giving you King James. King James says, they that wait. I'm used to that. So say it the King James way. Everybody say, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. What am I talking about waiting on the Lord? What does it mean to wait? Does that mean to just sit down in a chair, say, I'm going to wait here until God shows up in my life, and if he doesn't, I'll be waiting here for 10 or 20 years? Is that the correct meaning? What if you went to a restaurant this afternoon, and a waiter or a waitress had the same mindset about what waiting on you was all about? What if they hung out back in the kitchen in a rocking chair saying, they'll have to come to me. I ain't going to them. I'm too tired. Now, if they're going to do the job right, that waitress, that waiter will meet you at the door with a smile, with a greeting, make you feel welcome, make you feel excited about being there, take you to your table, hand you a menu, can I get you water, what do you want to drink, making you feel absolutely appreciated the whole time waiting for a direct order. That's the way it works with waiting on God. You make him feel welcome in your life. You let him know how joyful you are that he's there for you. You let him know you're available. You show him the menu of your life. Lord, I'm available for a husband. I need to get married or a wife. I need to get married or Lord, if you don't mind a job where I can impact my community, show him the menu of what's available in your life. Praise God. And by the way, Lord, you blessed me. So I'm going to give you 10% back. Make him feel welcome in every area of your life. 100%. But all the while waiting on a direct order. The whole time you're worshiping, waiting on a direct order. The whole time you're praising, waiting on a direct order. That's what waiting on God is all about. You're waiting on a direct order. I waited a couple of hours to get directives from God about what to preach this morning. And I know it's because he desires to watch over his word to fulfill it. If he tells me to preach this, then he's going to take the word and activate the reality of it in you. And you're going to walk out of here so today and you're not going to be earthbound anymore by your problems by your difficulties by your hardships by your hang-ups come on I'm spreading my wings I don't know about you now notice the picture I used on this slide is a picture of an eagle flying into a storm because eagles do that please turn around to somebody if you're a Christian and say we do that We're not intimidated. We don't back up and we don't throw in the towel. We don't give up when the going gets tough. We just get going. We throw more effort behind it. We keep plowing deeper and stronger. No. When a storm cloud like that comes, big 
billowing black clouds covering the horizon, hurricane force winds coming through the area. The little birds, they'll hide and run for cover or as quick as they can find some kind of refuge under a tree limb or under the roof of a house, intimidated by the storm, not the eagle. The eagle will face off with that storm, intentionally fly directly into that storm because it knows if it can catch the wind right, the storm that seems to be against will really work in favor. All things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. But you've got to face off with the storm and fly into it. Don't fly away afraid, thinking God cannot intervene. Your situation is too tough. If I could pull out of my own life an example that is suitable, it's the example of the diagnosis we got of my daughter when my wife was five months pregnant with her. The doctor brought in something. He slipped into a machine, threw it up on the screen, and he said, look, i got to show you something. See the dark spot at the base of her spine? That's a hole in her spine. She's got spina bifida. She'll never walk. And then he showed us a blood report and certain things going on in my wife's blood, and she can tell you about it herself. And he said, uh, this indicates to me your baby will have cretinism. Your baby will be severely retarded. She'll probably never walk and never talk. Now, that's a storm to get that kind of diagnosis and the child not even here yet. That's a storm. But see, my wife is a woman of faith, and I like to consider myself a man of faith. And I was really, my feathers were really ruffled. When that doctor leaned across his desk and said, there is an alternative. I knew that was veiled language and that was his way of suggesting murder, which is what abortion is. But I took, I took his advice. I took an alternative. I stood up and left his office, never intending to go back again. That was my alternative. Because whatever happened, I intended to love that child. And as we walked out of his office as quickly as we could, the spirit of the Lord, the wind, got under the wings of a woman of faith. See, the wings represent, I believe, the word of God, the balancing factors in the word of God. You've got commandments and you've got promises, and they balance each other out. You've got curses and you've got blessings, and they balance each other out. But the word by itself won't get you off the ground. You need the spirit to come in under the word and push it toward fulfillment. And so the spirit and the word got involved together. And as my wife walked out of the doctor's office, she heard the audible voice of God say, your daughter will dance on the streets of Jerusalem. The doctor said she will never walk. God said she'll dance. I like God's way of responding. He didn't, he didn't just say, no, she'll walk. He said, she will dance. And not only dance in America, but on the streets of Jerusalem. She hadn't told me yet what happened. We got to the car, and she was still flustered and nervous from what we'd heard. So she reached out to calm her nerves with the radio and turned it on. 
And guess what song it came on? That old country Christian song, I Hope You Dance. Tears started running down her cheeks. She turned around to me and said, oh, Mike, I got to tell you what. God just spoke to me, and this is a confirmation. Our baby's going to dance. That doctor's wrong. So we had the word, and now we needed to come into agreement with it, and that's how you fly into the storm. We didn't spend the next four months fearful and depressed. We didn't spend the next four months expecting the worst. We counteracted every negative that had been spoken over that baby. The doctor implied she had no destiny and no hope. So we said, let's name her Destiny Hope. And every time we call her Destiny Hope, we're counteracting that negative trash that came out of the mouth of that person that suggested she wasn't even worthy of bringing in the world. That wasn't all. My wife felt a scripture, Elizabeth, she's right back there. She can tell you. She found a scripture that God used to speak to her heart. That's when the written word turns into the living word. The logos turns into the rhema. And God spoke Psalm 100. I think it's Psalm 138 verse 8 or 128 verse 8. But it's the verse that says, The Lord will perfect that which concerns you. And so for the next four months, she'd lay hands on her belly and say, Baby, you concern me. And God's word, therefore, says you are perfect. And I would join with her and we would sing that song, I Hope You Dance. You know, hope, if it's Bible-based, is very positive. Hope, according to the world standards, is almost hopeless. When people use the word hope, it's very negative in its connotation because they say, I hope so. And that's their way of saying this is probably never going to work out. But Bible-based hope is having only positive expectations because he's the God of hope who will fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope. Hallelujah. So we went into that delivery room praising God in expectation as that little girl came out of the womb My wife asked the doctor, it's a different doctor now, how does she look, doctor? How does she look? Not knowing what we had prayed for four months, he said, your daughter is perfect. (laughs) Oh, yes. Come on, child of God. Fly into the storm. Fly into the storm. Face off with it. And fly up where the sun always shines. Because if you have the right mindset, The sun's always shining for you. I don't care what's going on in the storm below. You're up here saying, I'm more than a conqueror through him who loved me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. If God before me, who can be against me? There is therefore now, come on, get up where the sun always shines. You can do it. You can do it by praise. They that wait. I I, I need to inspect that word wait in the original Hebrew. The word in Hebrew that is translated wait is kavah. Everybody say kavah. Now when you go to lunch, you can impress your friends with your knowledge of Hebrew. Let me tell you what kavah means. Kavah is translated wait there, but it has a unique essence of meaning. It means to be bound together like you would weave wicker Uh, strands together in wicker furniture it's bound together that's the essence of meaning of the word so to wait on the Lord is to get intertwined with him 
to be bound with his vision, to be bound up with his desire for you and for humanity, to get bound up with his forecast of what the future holds for planet earth, to get bound up with the prophetic word and know what's happening in these last days. Well, if you're getting bound up with God, then I guess when you wait on the Lord, that's your bonding time. Have you ever heard of spending time with your son or daughter doing things that, well, sometimes you probably don't want to play putt-putt golf. You probably don't want to dress Barbie dolls, especially some of you men in here. But you want bonding time with your child. Well, there's some things in your life that God probably would prefer not to get involved in. But because you're involved in it, he's involved in it. And he's going to spend bonding time with you. Especially if you make an effort to spend bonding time with him. Just sit there. Don't come to him crying all the time. Most people, as soon as they pray, they start telling every bad thing. They're telling God what hasn't happened, what prayer hasn't been answered, what problems are in my son's life, my daughter's life, my wife's life, my husband's life. Why don't you enter his gates with thanksgiving? Enter his presence the way you'd like your children to enter your presence, appreciating and grateful for what you've been in, in their lives. And that's the way we should approach God. All right? When you catch the wind of heaven, it may take you a direction you're not planning on. I have never forgotten. Years ago, I had a meeting planned, an evangelistic meeting at a church in Toronto. And I woke up depressed one day. Do you ever just wake up depressed and there's no reason for you to be depressed? You just have this this blanket of depression over you and I thought I've got to get rid of this or it's going to mess my day up and I don't care at whose expense it is I'm going to get rid of this depression so I had to schedule my flight (laughs) and so I got this lady on the telephone that you know worked for one of the airline companies I forget which one Delta or American Airlines and she sounded like an operator she had a nasal tone in her voice Hello, can I help you? I said, yeah. And I thought, I'm going to act like the biggest country guy she's ever talked to. I said, yeah, ma'am, you can help me. I want to go to Toronto, Canada, if you don't mind. I need to schedule a place on one of them big jets to go up from Atlanta, Georgia, to Toronto, Canada. Can you help me, ma'am? I'm shaking off that depression real good. (laughs) But it got better because she said, yes, sir, we can help you. First, I'm going to schedule a flight from Atlanta down to Dallas, Texas, and then from Dallas, Texas. I said, ma'am. I don't need to fly south. I need to fly north, 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 man. You're taking me down to Dallas. I need to go all the way up to Toronto. Can you not get me going the right direction? She said, sir, you don't understand. Sometimes you have to fly the wrong direction to get the right connection. I said, is that you, Lord? (laughs) And that rang in my mind for days. Sometimes 
you've got to get exiled from Egypt and spend 40 years as a shepherd in the wilderness to prepare you for the day of prophecy when a burning bush unveils your destiny. Sometimes it looks like you're going the wrong direction, but you're going to get the right... You're going to get the right connection if you'll just wait on God and catch the wind of the Spirit. By the way, the wind of the Spirit carried Joseph in his coat of many colors, telling his brothers, look at what my father gave me from a place of prominence to a place of degradation. I'm sure he would have agreed with that operator. Yeah, sometimes you go the wrong direction to get the right connection because he never would have met the chief butler and the chief baker that knew Pharaoh, head of the major, most major empire in the world, to position him as prime minister so that he could rescue his whole family from the famine that was coming. Come on, don't try to figure it all out. Just stretch out your wings. Let the wind of God catch you and carry you into your destiny. Is God talking to anybody in the room right now? By the way, in Hebrew, the same word that's translated wind is translated breath. And so some people translate, even in Greek, it's the same. The same word translated wind is translated breath. And so some translate John chapter 3 verse 8, not as the wind blows, but the spirit breathes. I read one translation of the Bible that says the spirit breathes where he wills and you can't hear where it's coming from or where it's going. I don't really have to know where it's coming from. I don't really have to know where it's going. I just need to seize the moment and let God be God. And he's got the plan figured out. He got me into this thing to start with. He can carry me all the way through to the end. So start trusting him, child of God. This is the best way to live. You know, I'm so glad. There was a real controversy in the Continental Congress among Thomas Jefferson, George Washington, John Adams, and Benjamin Franklin over what our national symbol should be. And they say Ben Franklin wanted it to be the turkey. That would be our national bird. I would really have a hard time inspiring you with a message today about how God wants you to be a turkey. Fountain of life just needs to be a bunch of turkeys in here. I'm glad you missed that one, Ben. (laughs) Let me talk to you about holiness, personal holiness. Let's go to a wonderful, enlightening scripture, Lamentation chapter 3, verse 40. It's a good way of tying in with the characteristic of eagles called preening. Every day for about an hour, eagles go through a preening process. Well, my teenage, well, she's no longer teenage. She's in her 20s. My, as she was going through her teens, she went through a printing process every day too. But it will take every feather and pull it through its beak and blast warm, 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 W-A-R-M, warm, warm, warm. Okay, everybody say warm. 
say it right. It blasts warm, I got it right that time, warm, moist air through that feather, but it also coats it with a chemical kind of uh, secretion from the preening gland. Every eagle has a preening gland, and it coats that feather with like a weatherproof, waterproof substance that allows it to dive down into the ocean without drowning as a result and catching fish. How does that relate to me? If God's called me to have an eagle nature, then every day I've got to pull my attitudes through the preening process. I've got to pull my actions through the printing process. I've got to expect every root motive that I've got. I've got to inspect every response and reaction that I give to people around me. And sometimes I'm not as humble, not as kind, not as generous, not as loving, not as forgiving as I should be. So I've got to purge all of that out and blast it with some air spiritually speaking, in order to be clean before God because you're not going to soar like an eagle unless you clean yourself like an eagle. Don't tell me you can live a compromised Christian life and function totally as a child of God. That is a lie from the devil and his demons that you can mix the world and Christianity. It doesn't work. He said, come out of the world and be a separated people and touch not the unclean thing. And God said, I will receive you. There's a difference between you receiving God and God receiving you. You have to come out of the world to have that intimate connection with God. Now, let me take you to the eagle's eyes, and then I've got to close. Very soon, anyway. Look at that eagle. Oh, next frame, please. Look at that eagle's face. Have you ever seen anything so intense? I mean, that can bore a hole right through your skull. If you get an eagle nature, that's the way the demons look at you. They see that kind of intensity coming from you. Don't tell me, oh, the devil's been fighting me all day long. I'm so afraid. Forget it. Let him be terrified. You're the one that's got weapons of warfare that are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Let the devil be terrified. Not you. Not a child of God. You should have that look on your face. Some of you men are looking at me like my wife does have that look on her face. Always. Take out the trash. Eagle eyes. That's an old saying, an eagle-eyed person. What does that mean? It means you can see things other people don't see. Other people overlook. Other people are oblivious to it. But you see it because you've got that eagle eye. Why? Because an eagle has vision that is eight times stronger than 20-20 vision in an adult human being. Think of that. From way up on a mountain peak, an eagle can see a mouse or a rabbit running through the grass two miles away. Well, I've often said my wife could see a mouse two miles away. I mean, there's the faintest sign of it being in the vicinity, she knows. But, but that's incredible. And it's all a picture, it's a metaphorical picture of an eagle-like son or daughter of God that sees things other people are oblivious to. Other people see a pandemic. You see something behind the pandemic, a globalist agenda. You know what's really going on. You know that it was no coincidence that Bill Gates and his foundation met with John Hopkins Hospital and the 
the, I think it was October or November, before the breakout of the pandemic, they had a seminar on how to react to a coronavirus pandemic and how they would respond to people that would not go along with their agenda. Well, how convenient that it actually happened a few months later. And we know now it was produced in a lab. I'm not going to go any deeper in that, but I am telling you, if you've got the spirit of truth on the inside, you're not going to accept just what somebody tells you on the television. You're going to know there's some lies behind the scene going on. There's some manipulation going on and I'm not going to be a part of it. That's eagle vision. Eagles also have peripheral vision. They, they have 270 degree peripheral vision. They can almost see behind them when they're looking straight ahead because that's the way God does it with you. You see the past in a whole new light You don't just see yourself as a drunk 20 years ago. You see yourself as a human being that learned some valuable lessons about what sin will do in your life. And now you're extending a hand to alcoholics saying, what God did for me, he'll do for you. You've got peripheral vision and you know what God brought you out of, qualified you to bring somebody else out of the same pit. And so you're not caught up in the past. You're looking to the future and you see how it can all benefit the kingdom. There's a lot more I can say about that. But this really captivates my imagination. Also in an eagle's eyes are little folds, little tube-like containers, little tiny, tiny tube-like containers, pectins, and they're filled with a certain kind of fluid that has, uh, uh, it is affected by a magnetic pull. It's affected by the gravitational pull of the earth. And because of that, When an eagle flies more than two or three miles away from its home, it feels this throbbing sensation, according to biologists that are knowledgeable in this area. It will feel a throbbing sensation in its eyes that's slightly painful. And it lets that eagle know you're getting too far from home. And it'll turn around and come flying right back. Thank you for the conviction of the Holy Spirit, Lord. Then when I let attitudes creep in that I shouldn't have or actions are creeping up on my life that I shouldn't participate in and maybe I'm not as forceful and strong in building walls, then I get that pained feeling. It's called conviction of the Holy Spirit reproving me of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Do you want to take some time to thank God for that inner conviction that is a preserving power to you because the Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The Lord is your preserver. Next, did you know that eagles have two sets of eyelids? An outer eyelid, which is very much like the fleshly one that you and I have, but it also has an inner eyelid that comes down over its eye during flight that protects it from debris or things that could hit the eye and blind it. But there's something else very curious about it. It's clear. It's a clear membrane. It's called a necessitating membrane, and it enables that eagle to do something no other bird can do. It can fly directly into the sun without burning the retinas out of its eyes. You can't look into the sun directly. It would have a damaging effect on your eyes. But the eagle can fly right toward the sun and look at it and not be affected. 
because it's got that capacity, that God-given capacity to go somewhere or to go a direction other birds cannot go. And I said all of that to say this, God dwells in a light that no man can approach unto and no man has seen. It's a brilliant celestial light that is brighter than 10 million suns. Ordinary people, Buddhists, Hindus, Muslims, people of other religions are not welcome in that throne room of the Almighty God, but he tells his eagle sons and eagle daughters, come boldly before the throne of grace that you might obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. You can walk right into the brilliance of God's presence and not be shunned and not come under judgment because you've been washed in the blood of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. God just spoke to my heart and said, stop. It's time for somebody to come to Jesus. It's time for somebody to make a decision that you don't want to be overcome by the storms of life anymore. You want to learn how to rise up above them. You want to learn how the eagle God can take you into your destiny and you can become something far more than you ever thought you could become. God wants to save someone, I believe, in this house today. God wants you to know what it is, not to be religious, but to have a relationship with him, to surrender to him, to know him, to love him, and to be loved by him. There's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. And how does that relate to July 4th? Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Thanks so much for watching us online. We're so blessed to, to live in an era where we can come to you uh, on this platform and be able to preach the gospel and worship with you right in your home. I don't know where you are today with the Lord, but uh, I want to close this time with prayer. And whatever needs you have, let's bring them to the Lord right now, but especially if you're not serving the Lord. If you've never accepted Christ into your heart, right now's the time to do that. All you have to do is open your heart and say, Lord, come in. I believe Jesus is Lord. Forgive me of my sins. I wanna change. You make that decision in your heart, then God's gonna come in and he's gonna do the rest. Romans 10 verses nine and 10 says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, then you'll be saved. In the book of Acts, it said, call upon the name of the Lord and you shall be saved. So let's pray for these two issues right now, okay? Pray with me. Father in heaven, I open up my heart. I repent of all my sin and I ask Jesus into my life right now. And I thank you that my sins are gone and I thank you that my life has changed in Jesus' name. Now, Lord, I bring before you all the needs of the audience that's watching right now everyone who's hurting, they're struggling, they have issues going on. We bring those needs to the throne of God in the name of Jesus. And we ask you, Father, to meet them, to bless right now through the power of your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody can say amen. Hey, we love you. Thank you for following us. Thank you for watching us online. And I hope to see you again.